You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my new series, Parish. My character, Gray Parish, was a getaway driver. I'm retired from life. You know that. He's in a world over his head. Tell me about this driver job. And he's asked to start to figure things out. I did what you told me to. He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. Plus. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hi, everyone. Sophia Bush here. Welcome to Work in Progress, where I talk to people who inspire me about how they got to where they are and where they think they're still going. I'm so excited for you all to meet today's guest, Pamela Hunter. I first found out about Pamela through her company, She started her own business called Sheltered Co. And they make the most beautiful weighted blankets. And they're not only gorgeous to look at, but they're very sustainable, which I love. I found out about her because as any of you who follow me on any of the internets know, I am obsessed with a weighted blanket. And Pamela's story is just so inspiring. She is the mother of three whose daughter was diagnosed with a sensory processing disorder. She was inspired to find something that would help her daughter sleep and stay calm while helping to promote body regulation. And she created this blanket kind of by accident in that quest. And that accident turned her into an entrepreneur. So today she's going to tell us about her journey. She's going to shed light on invisible illnesses. They're way more common than you would think. Pamela is so inspiring and I'm just really thrilled to see what's ahead for Sheltered Co. Hi. <laughs> I'm so excited that you're here. Is it weird that I'm one of your biggest internet fans and then I asked you to come on my podcast? Um, uh, weird. Yeah. Um, I definitely like sat downstairs for a few minutes and was thinking, okay, um, wait, why am I here? And I'm like going over your list of people that you've announced and already done podcasts with. And I'm like, okay, yeah, no, I mean, not that many people know who, I mean, Chelsea Handler is, right? (laughs) (laughs) And I definitely spent a couple days with my mom and I going back and forth, like naming off all the people and and then Pamela Hunter and everyone gets silent. (laughs) Like, thanks, mom. Thanks for the encouragement. (laughs) Your mom is funny and also... Listen, some some things are happening in your business world, and I don't think that'll be the reality for long. Oh my gosh, that's 
that terrifies me. It's crazy because I'm I'm so outgoing and I'm really, I don't know, confident in my own skin. And um, I love I love being around people. I love talking to people. I love planning events and all this. And yeah. this took me by surprise. Like really, I'm really honored to be here. Well, thank you. <laughs> Exciting. So. I, I should tell our listeners, because I'm referencing your business and I realize we know what it is and then yeah. I'm not telling all of you at home. Sorry about that. I'll get there. But you know me. You know I can be a little easily distracted. So Pamela, you started Sheltered Co., yeah. which any of you guys at home who follows me on Instagram, you know my love for a weighted blanket and you are probably like, we get it. Shut up about the weighted blanket, Sophia. And Sheltered Co. makes the most beautiful weighted blankets and (laughs) and I think what I was so struck by is they look like those very Nordic you know oversized looped like yeah those big chunky technically like a knitted or a crochet okay great that's knit ours are crocheted but they look very similar yeah they have that look and and from many years ago I have a blanket like that and it's my favorite blanket in the house So when I think because I look into weighted blankets so often, yours came up. I was like, wait, that looks like the Nordic blanket, except that it's a weighted blanket. <laughs> I It felt like it, yeah. you know, I was like, it's Christmas. And What's you happening? Can, and you can wash it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a wild thing. And, yeah. and I just, I have such a genuinely excited response when I see mm. women who've started these incredibly cool businesses that are you know, functional, that are helping people be healthier, that have such beautiful designs. So I wanted you to come and talk about it with me. Oh, man. Thank you so much. That um, means a lot. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. a lot coming from you. So can you, can you tell everyone at home listening what your company is and, <laughs> yeah. and how this journey began or maybe what the company is and then we'll talk a little weighted blanket science and then we'll get into journey stuff because I have more questions about that. Okay. So okay. I know there there's so much. So- I created a handmade, sustainable, weighted blanket that is produced in Los Angeles, and it's made by a team of very close women, and we we make them in a warehouse in Boyle Heights, actually, and they're... We only use dead stock fabrics, so we only use fabrics that are already out there in the world that mm-hmm. have already been created. I decided early on that if I was going to start making these for people, that I wasn't going to have anything produced. I was going to use what was already in existence. Mm -hmm. And some companies are already doing that. They're using dead stock or overstock fabrics, and I love it. And for me, it's more of a lifestyle since I've been a stylist and I was a vintage buyer. And so I'm all about recycled clothing and circular fashion and all Mm -hmm. that. So it was, I don't know, it was really important to me. And it's a huge part of the story. So they're not just weighted blankets. They're not just beautiful. They're not just easy to wash in the machine, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but they're also- But they are those things too. Yeah, they're all those things, but they're also sustainable. So yeah, it was important. And I'm so glad that we're sticking with it. Although sometimes I'm like, man, it would be easy just to place an order for the color I want and not have to like go warehouse to warehouse to warehouse or company to company asking if they have overstock or dead stock. So yeah, it has its challenges, but I'm so glad that we're doing it. I love though that you can acknowledge the challenges and also acknowledge that it's still possible to work within the parameters you've set for yourself. I think that on a larger scale, it's actually a really inspiring reminder that we're all very capable 
of making changes to the way that we live that might require a tiny bit more effort, but are very sustainable in the long run and also very impactful for the planet. Yeah. We need to get our shit together. I (laughs) I know. Yeah. I mean, that was really important to me. I have three children and I became a mom really young, so I didn't uh, I didn't get to go to school. I, I got pregnant when I was 17 years old. So I've been a mom <laughs> for more than half my life. <laughs> but it's important for me to to want to do things that are going to help my kids in their future here and like keep this planet mm-hmm. here. And you got into weighted blankets in the first place because of one of your kids. Yeah. Can Can you talk before we get into that story a, a, a little bit about the science of a weighted blanket? What what does it do? Yeah. Because well, I know what it does, but people at home might not know. Well, there is science behind it. There's also lots of anecdotal evidence. But ultimately, a weighted blanket swaddles you and makes you feel like you're in the womb. And it, it cradles you. But the pressure, the evenly distributed pressure all over your body sends signals to your brain to actually like calm your nervous system down. Mm-hmm. So it de- decreases the stress hormone cortisol and increases serotonin and dopamine. So it's definitely something that I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, I don't really know if I believe this. And and whether you do or not, if you're under one, <laughs> it's almost like you can't deny the effects. Mm-hmm. It kind of it holds you down in the best way. Truly. And it just gives you a big hug. I think after we created this blanket, I started doing a lot of research on hugs and how good they are for your body and for just overall mental health. And we're, well, there's a bunch of studies, but you're supposed to be getting seven hugs a day just for maintenance. And then to be thriving, you should be getting about 12 hugs a day. Yeah. So I was kind of blown away by some of these studies that I was reading. I thought they were just kind of silly or whatnot. And then if you actually start counting how many hugs you get a day, like none of us get nearly enough. And on the days where I was getting more hugs from people, I definitely felt overall just so much more calm and better and grounded. And it's almost like when you're getting hugs from people throughout the day, it's like you're getting like a, it's almost like a mini cheerleader for your body, you know, (laughs) coming by and just being like, you can do it. You can keep going. So the blankets act like a big hug. And so they'll help you, you know, hit your quota (laughs) for the day. I love that. 12 hugs a day. Guys, (laughs) everyone in this office, get ready. After we finish this, I'm hugging everyone. I know. It's, it feels, it feels like a lot, but also it's kind of fun if you actually count your yeah. hugs and be like, oh, I got to hit my quota. You start hugging strangers on the street. It's like track your steps, count your hugs. Yeah. Wait, <gasps> what? Did we just create oh a new God, like, a new bumper a- sticker? <laughs> it's not really a thing anymore then. Now it's like a, we, we made a hashtag. Well, it's like a, maybe or like one of those Fitbits for hugs. It Honestly, your- I don't hate it. Wait, okay. We need to call Apple and be like, listen, <laughs> can we do an update to the Apple Watch? Perfect. Yeah. I mean, I know for me – as a person who who doesn't have a routine, because working on sets, some days I'm going to work at 4.30 in the morning, some days I'm going to work at 7 in the morning, some days I'm going at 9, and some days I'm going at 6 p.m. to work until 6 or 7 a.m. the next day. So having no routine means that my body's circadian rhythms are always off. Yeah. 
And when I started sleeping under this blanket, I stopped waking up in the middle of the night. Totally. I I noticed a definite, and this is just for me. I'm not making a medical claim here. Just my personal experience. I've learned I have to say that. But for me, my TMJ definitely decreased. Like the amount of pain I'd be in in the morning from my jaw was lower because I was actually having really deep restful sleep. And bonus, I don't roll around Mm -hmm. when I have the blanket on. So I'm actually really sleeping on my back which, you know, you're supposed to do to take care of your face. And your, so, and your chest and, and your, your chest and all the thing. You know, just like <laughs> I, I wake up like Snow White, totally. just laying still. It's really nice. I heard from a friend who sleeps with the weighted blanket every night, and she said that it actually helps her go to bed with perfect hair and wake up with perfect hair because she doesn't move. Amazing. <laughs> I've been sleeping with mine for about a year I actually couldn't really afford to keep one when I first started the business. So I had to like buy the fabric, make a blanket, sell it to buy more fabric to make two blankets, sell those, buy more fabric to make three or four, sell them. So um, at first I couldn't really keep one for myself and so many people were wanting them. And so I'd kind of steal my kid's blanket from time to time, but I didn't get one for a while. And then when I did get one, it was like one that, I didn't even sew together. It was just, I kind of made it just so I could sleep. I just wanted a dang blanket. Yeah. <laughs> so so it took me a while. Anyway, once I got it, I started dreaming. And I haven't <gasps> dreamed since I was little. I don't remember any of my dreams from, I mean, I don't remember when I stopped dreaming. But I think it has something to do with, like, my deep sleep. I wasn't getting enough sleep. Wow. So, and having a bunch of kids like a bunch of kids, three, but it often feels like an entire football team. Yeah, I bet. They're all girls, but it still feels like an entire football team. (laughs) It's a lot of people. But I haven't really slept through the night since, I think, since I became a mom. I don't know if there's, like, anxiety that just comes with that. You're constantly worried about your children or what. But since I started sleeping with the weighted blanket, I've been dreaming. And it's kind of intense. Like sometimes the dream, like I don't even remember them fully, but they're vivid. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Oh, that's cool. I have to do really with the blanket. Too. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. Do you ever wake up and go, whoa, like almost like you're tired already because your brain was so active at night? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely oh, happens. So interesting. I have a lot of people that write me and say, I'm actually going to see if I can get another blanket because my dog stole mine or... My dog needs his or her own blanket. <laughs> yeah. Well, my I had I had, my my former sweet dog Penny had terrible anxiety, oh. and I got her this thing called a thunder shirt. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Which, we know about these. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so for people at home, you put them in this shirt, and then it has this panel that basically wraps around their torso and velcros over their back. So the shirt gives them a squeeze. Which exactly like you're saying about the blanket, it gives your body this evenly distributed pressure that calms your nerves. Yeah. And so on 4th of July and any time there was a thunderstorm, I'd have to put Penny in her thundershirt. So cute. They look really cute in them. We have two thundershirts and we put, yeah, we definitely put them on the dogs. But now they just take our blankets. So Right. And they love them. You're like, well, there they go. I know. But the blanket, (laughs) even machine washable, thank God. (laughs) But the blanket, despite being excellent for animals with anxiety, apparently like ours, did start because you were trying to figure out how to best aid your daughter. Yeah. 
my daughter, Ransom Faye. Ransom's going to be six in a couple weeks. But when she was when she was six months old, we realized that something was a little bit different about her. She was always sort of erect. Like she, babies are usually like squishy and they'll cuddle with you. And she never did that. She would always mm-hmm. have her head straight up or just be really stiff. And she wouldn't like us to like put our hands on her back or her body and to even support her when we were holding her. So we always knew that something was like almost irritating her. And as, you know, as she grew and um, we started looking into things, we realized she was actually, she had sensory processing disorder, which is really hard, uh, especially to realize so young that she has trouble processing anything from from lights to sound to touch to textures, movement, things would sort of like startle her that And in a way that wasn't like other kids, like another child will get startled and they cry or they get upset. She would get upset and it would, if we couldn't calm her down almost immediately, it would just escalate to like zero to 10. And it just seems so different from other kids. So we ended up having, taking her to be evaluated by an occupational therapist in the regional center. And she was actually diagnosed with high functioning autism and she and with sensory processing disorder. So mm. we had just bought this house and it was really a big house and we didn't really have money for rugs. So I was determined to make a really cool rug. Mm. So I found this fabric at a yard sale and and I brought it home and shredded it up and tied it together and was like, I'm going to crochet a rug. I've seen people do this. And I, I just, I must have done it totally wrong <laughs> because it was it was a horrible rug. It was pretty tragic. But it was a really amazing blanket. When I, I remember making it and it was on my lap as I was finger crocheting it because mm-hmm. I didn't have a, a large crochet needle like we use now. But I was just crocheting it by hand and she woke up from a nap And I remember putting her on my lap and putting the blanket on her so that I could finish. And you could literally see her calm down immediately. Like her whole body just relaxed. And it was strange because she had always like, I don't have a better word for it, but people would always say she's so erect because she would just, her posture was like an adult. (laughs) It Mm. was, she would sit up tall and straight. But she she had a tightness in her body. Yeah. She was, yes, exactly. She was like tight. Like she just needed, you wanted to be like, girl, let your shoulders down. Like it's cool. It's okay. (sighs) And the blanket, it just brought her so much relief. Like even just in those few seconds of having it on her. So I remember thinking, I've got to finish this like right now. So I think her dad was around. He was helping me watch her. And I was like, trying my best to to make this blanket as fast as I could so that it could help her in real time. Wow. Um, because from the second she would wake up, it, it was hard. It was like every little noise, every little thing would bother her. Even like her footsteps walking through the living room, the echo of it, you could tell that it was like annoying or I don't, I guess if you were watching it, you would almost look at her and be like, man, I think she's in pain. And she used to like almost cry like she was in pain. Oh. Not almost, like she would. It was hard for, for many years. So until she was almost three years old, she would only sleep in two-hour increments. 
So for three years, oh she woke gosh. up every two hours. And even when she was sleeping, you could see that she was almost like twitching. You could see it wasn't a deep sleep. Like she could have woken up at any second. If, mm-hmm. if I went in, I remember even we couldn't walk in certain parts of the house if she was asleep because just the creaking of the floor would wake her up. And we had white noise, like two white noise machines going. Anyway, sleep was so, so hard for her. And because of that, none of us were sleeping. My husband Mm -hmm. had to work really long hours. So it was kind of on me, which I was fine with because I was actually the only one that could calm her down when she would get upset at night. So once I created this blanket by accident. We started using it for sleep. It took a couple days, but she started sleeping through the night. Wow. And it was like, (laughs) it felt like a miracle, definitely. It was unexpected. I knew that the pressure and the weight and all that would be super beneficial to her, but I had no idea that it would be literally life-changing. Wow. So, So, yeah. When I talk about it, it's like, how can I convey to people in one minute that this blanket literally changed my life? (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it did. So it changed her life. And I assume she still sleeps with one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now everyone in the family does. When she's having a hard night, so she has now, this might be a little extreme, but she has three or four blankets in her room. And if she's having a really hard time, she'll put all three or four of them on top of her. Yeah, and she knows that it will calm her down. Sweet girl. Yeah, when she's having a hard time, she she calls it her heavy blanket. Yeah, oh. yeah. So I go, where? What? What do you need? What do you need right now? And she's old enough that she can say, "I need to be burritoed." I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I love you so much." Yeah. I don't even know her, and I love her. That <laughs> sentence just slayed me right, right. through the heart. I know. Oh. And we literally put her at one side and roll. And that is really good input for kids with sensory or autism. It's really, really good for their muscles, and it actually helps calm them down. So mm. rolling them or them squeezing through, like, tight spaces and mm-hmm. between pillows and stuff. We used to do, like, an obstacle course before she went to bed every night just to really calm her muscles down, give her the good input that she needs, wow. and then finish it off with a weighted blanket. <laughs> Oh, it would not be. What what's going on with muscles in in a in a child who's who has autism or sensory? What are they? Because that that idea when I when I watch you describe her and I watch your body language when you yeah. imitate her, I wish people could see you because it does. It looks everything looks tight. It looks so tense. Yeah, and I wonder. Does does the science, do the doctors, can they tell you what that is? Um, well, I've definitely talked to them a lot about it, especially our like occupational therapists. I don't know all the the exact terms for everything, but somebody explained it to me this way that when she has an emotional response to something, it will trigger a physical response in her and vice versa. So like say somebody hurt her feelings. Mm-hmm. Well, she gets she gets a little bit more upset sometimes than than a neurotypical child, mm-hmm. and she'll get so upset that then it almost like she's having trouble or she's 
breathing heavier, like crying really hard. And then that will almost trigger like her body to get a little bit more tense. And then it'll make her her legs get tense and tight too. And then it's just we're in a downward spiral. And there's almost nothing that you can do. It's I mean, I had somebody explain it to me too, because it's like their frontal lobe cortex just flips and it's almost impossible to get it back down unless we can take her into like a quiet room Mm -hmm. or wrap her in a blanket and give her that like that input into her body, like a massage. It would be like, yeah, us going to get a massage and you leave and you just feel almost like Zen or like Mm -hmm. almost drained. Like, so I feel Mm -hmm. like when she gets really upset, it's, it's almost like her having like a a panic attack or something. And she is like, it's that fight or flight like kicks in and she's panicking. Mm -hmm. She doesn't know where her comfort's going to come from. I know that's a lot of kids with autism or sensory. I think what's been really difficult with her or not necessarily just her, but kids her age is that all kids have a hard time with yeah. their senses and with their emotions and regulating their body, regulating, yeah, regulating their body and their emotions. So when she gets upset um, or when she used to get upset, it would seem almost typical. Although we would know that she, say a normal I, uh, neurotypical child has, I don't know, a couple tantrums a day. She would have multiple tantrums like, or I don't want to say tantrums, not a tantrum, it's a meltdown. She's melting down. Mm-hmm. She would have, I don't know, they would like almost roll into each other. It was like the mm-hmm. whole day would just be her trying to be okay. I had somebody else talk to me and explain it because it, it really helps when the when you're talking to therapists and you have this child and you don't know how to help them fully. Mm. And you also so hard. Yeah. And you also don't know what's happening to them. It seems like they're in pain. And so it's heartbreaking to watch. But I had this one occupational therapist tell me, okay, so with ransom, with, with children who have sensory difficulties, it's like they're starting off their day with a full bucket of water or mm. whatever you want to call it. It's like their their bucket is full and everybody else starts their day off refreshed with an empty bucket. And as you go through the day, you, you know, random things that stress you out, start filling up your bucket. But with her, she's walking through her day just trying not to spill the bucket. Mm. And any little extra thing put on top of it could set her off. Mm-hmm. So for me... That was kind of my like, aha, I get it. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So she's got a lot on her plate and anything extra is just going to push her over. So Anything extra is too much. Too much. Yeah. We all get that way. Sure. But to live that way constantly, to live at a, nine, a 9.9 out of 10 all the yeah. time, I just imagine must be so exhausting. Yeah. I, I have a, I have a <laughs> friend. So exhausting. Oh, I have a friend who was working at this place and and they were doing some really special work um, with a group of kids with autism. And he said just how, as, as a parent, he was so shattered when this one little boy had, they'd been going through some days of equine therapy and all this work in the body to mm-hmm. kind of help these kids make some space for themselves in their personhood, I suppose you could say. And he said that this one little boy who'd really, really been struggling looked at him and said, it finally feels like I don't have the needles everywhere. 
Oh, gosh. And just that the description, I mean, it like makes me want to cry. That a child felt like his body was covered in needles all of the time. I was like, nope, nope. You know, what do we do? And and what an incredible thing, whatever, however it presents for that boy or your daughter or any child who's suffering, that there's that there is something that can create that comfort for her and and by extension for so many people who have chronic pain, who, you know, suffer from insomnia, yeah, who have definitely. high levels of stress, like it it came from your daughter and, and her condition, but the amount of people who are actually helped with some pretty serious issues with such a simple tech yeah. is so cool. Yeah. It's pretty mm. mind blowing. Like, and to what you're saying about the little boy saying that he doesn't have those like needles. Oh my gosh. I'm, my heart is just breaking right now. Cause yeah, we definitely close, close our heart. Even though we created this blanket and yeah. it's helped her so much, we I can't think of really a day in the last six years that she didn't wake up crying. So so it's still every single day is hard. Mm-hmm. Every single day we have to sort of like take a deep breath before we start because if you as a parent, if you're already anxious or you know it's coming, they're going to feed off of that. So mm. it's been really good for us to be like, okay, we have to, t- we have to be the parent. We have to be strong. We have to let her know that like, it's okay. Like she can do this. So we have to take a deep breath. She wakes up and then we just help her kind of get through the morning. And when we're putting clothes on her, that is maybe the hardest time of our day. So switching, just imagine you're like super cozy in your bed, you're covered in your blanket or whatever you got your, she's always been really kind of addicted to full body pajamas because with a full body pajama, there's no break in it. There's no pant shirt break where Mm. air could accidentally get in and, you know, just, or get twisted Mm. um, or anything like that. So the full, (laughs) full pajamas, um, that's all she actually used to wear. She wouldn't even wear clothes. It would only be full footed pajamas until she was probably three I think. And still sometimes we let her go to school in them. It, she's gotten better. But so now like imagine you're in these like pajamas, you're super cozy. Mm. It's time to wake up. You wake up, your blanket comes off. So now all of a sudden that little bit of pressure that was on you all night. Okay. All of a sudden it's not there. Mm. Okay. That's all right. But then the covers come off. There's a little bit of a chill in the air. Okay. Mom turned off the sound machine, the noise of mom walking through the room. Okay. That's a new noise. She's, she shares a bed with her sister story. So ransom and story are like, they have bunk beds, but they like to sleep right next to each other and they'll like hold hands or cuddle. It's the most insane thing. It's the cutest thing I've ever seen. Sometimes we'll go in there at night when they're sleeping just to look because it's freaking adorable. Um, But yeah, Story will wake up and she'll move. And so Ransom's focusing on just trying to be okay with the new sounds, now not having pressure on her, the little bit of chill in the air, the noise machine's off, Mm. and the sun is coming in. And now Story accidentally touched her. And sometimes that will be enough just to set her off. So just it's it's helpful for helpful for us to remember like how difficult transitions are and 
for me also, it's helped me just with people in general because so many people have trouble with transitions. Mm. Like you get super cozy and like one thing, you're doing it, you're doing it, and then it's time to switch. And your whole body has to change. If you think of like all the steps that it takes for you to go from from doing one activity to another, if you really broke it down and then realized that some people in this world have a difficult time with every single one of those, mm. then it just helps you have a little bit more compassion on people. Mm-hmm. Also kind of, well, for me, I started realizing how many, how difficult different sensory things are for myself. <laughs> and then finding out later that my my mom was like, oh gosh, I couldn't put socks on you. The line on the socks, if there was wow. polyester in anything, you would just scream. You couldn't handle the car seat a certain way. And so it was really interesting to hear that I had a lot of the same things and struggles that Ransom has right now. Um, She said that Ransom's, her difficulties are a little bit more extreme than mine were, but I still have them to this day. Like my husband has literally found me in the kitchen about to just cry because I didn't have socks on and there was dirt on the floor and there was the feeling of dirt between my feet and the tile. It just kind (laughs) of, it filled my bucket. (laughs) so he brought me socks and I was fine and then I could walk upstairs (laughs) to the bedroom but even just having that little meltdown which we still laugh about to this day it just makes you just like extra aware that like okay she feels that all the time all the time all the time. And until she's right, re- if she's regulated, like honestly, you wouldn't be able to even tell that she has some of those difficulties. Mm-hmm. So say she got a good night's sleep, she's walking around, she's feeling really regulated, got a lot of like a workout. We call it, it's called heavy work if they're lifting or pushing or being squeezed, like the whole temple granted thing. Yeah. It calms them down, helps them regulate their own bodies. And so if she's had all those things, sometimes she'll be the most well behaved child in the room. She's a great student. She loves school. She does really, like, in clinical settings and classroom settings, she's mm-hmm. amazing because there's a routine. She knows what's coming next. Oh, that's and cool. it's the rest of, you know, life that's really hard for her. The unpredictability so, and yeah. the sensory overload. and Totally. Wow. And life is a sensory overload. I mean, for real. <laughs> Rush hour traffic in L.A.? Yeah. How's that? <laughs> does she have a favorite subject at school? I like she loves art. She's a creative mm-hmm. for sure. I she she just likes school, like the whole thing. Mm-hmm. She can be like melting down or losing it on the way to school. Like I said before, she, um, we always have a hard time with her, like getting her dressed and getting her to school. And sometimes she'll be, well, a lot of times she'll be crying or or needing us to hold her and. As soon as we get into the classroom, she'll pretty much just turn around and be like, okay, I've got this. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Sweet so girl. I used to think that like I was doing something wrong as a parent because she breaks down or, you know, she loses it with me. But I'm the one that's been comforting her since she was six months old. Yeah. I know how to do it. And so I think she feels confident just losing it with me. So I'm try I try to remember to like pat myself on the back and tell myself that like 
Mm-hmm. You know, this is actually her loving me. And <laughs> this her is feeling the safest with you. Totally. Uh, um, it doesn't always feel that way, yeah. um, especially when, you know, you'll see your kid go off with another parent or, or a grandparent and they seem to be able to hold it together. Mm-hmm. The more parents that I talk to of kids with sensory or on the spectrum, they say the same things, yeah. which is also makes it really hard to diagnose autism so young. It makes it really hard to like pinpoint this because sometimes these kids, these little kids can hold it together when when they're around other people, mm-hmm. whether it be they're they're nervous or or I have no idea, but for whatever reason they can kind of hold it together. Then when they get home or get to the car or something like that, they'll just lose it. Everything comes out. Yeah, it all comes out. And I imagine makes it tricky because autism, sensory, those fall into the category of invisible illnesses. Oh, yeah. And and I imagine having a child with an invisible illness or or even, you know, for someone who might be listening, you you could be a chronic pain sufferer. That's an invisible illness. And it makes it really hard to explain, Mm -hmm. to diagnose, to get adequate sympathy or understanding from people around you you know if you're wearing a cast people know you're hurt yeah but this this is different yeah no that that's tough so Mm. like finding out so we've we've talked to so many people about all these things now and finding out more about invisible illnesses what that means how to talk to people about it it I think my husband and I just felt crazy for a few years like I mean that was maybe not my favorite word to use but it's we felt like we were just like saying the same things and people were sort of giving us like, I don't even know, like a a sympathy, like, oh yeah. But maybe thinking, oh, they're exaggerating or they're, they're overdoing it or they're not doing something right. Mm -hmm. I always joke with people that my least favorite words are just and should. You should do this. Mm-hmm. Or you should just do this, <laughs> use them together. Mm-hmm. Like there's no there's no other phrase that just feels – like even pe- mm-hmm. honestly, people mean well. They yeah. seriously do. And I think people are problem solvers. So they see something and they want to give you advice. They, they aren't sure what to do. They aren't sure how to react. So I don't, I don't get offended when it happens. Although I, I definitely would get my feelings hurt a mm-hmm. lot. Um, oh, if you would just do this or – you should really do this or hear that people have said things, you know, to other people yeah. about how we should be, you know, handling her and raising her. And I mean, another another part of that is being really vocal about it. Yeah. Do you have to fight harder just to be um, heard on this? Yeah, kind of. And then mm-hmm. sometimes I get really discouraged because I'm I'm talking about it. I know what's happening and explaining it to people. And then every time you go to a different specialist or every time you go to a different therapist, you have to tell the story again. Oh my God. And so sometimes I forget things or sometimes I just get mad and I'll just, I'll, I'll say something out of frustration. Like, yeah, she does this all the time. This is her. And like, and my husband's like, this is their first time meeting us. Like they're going to think we're, we're, you know, off our rocker. So Calm down. <laughs> so yeah. really... But you're only human. I mean, totally. it's a lot to handle. Yeah. You're like, you're only human, but you only get a certain amount of time with therapists and yeah. specialists and the waiting list 
to get evaluations done is insane. Mm -hmm. It's like six months or longer sometimes, unless you catch it early enough and you can get in with the regional center. Once they hit three, you're with the school district or you have to go to like Children's Hospital or or there's like a UCLA thing, I think Boone Fetter Clinic, and you can get a full evaluation um, of, of your child but there's a really long waiting list. And so it's like, okay, if it's six six months to a year, then how, or like, you know, even three months when you're struggling hour to hour, that just feels, it feels so far away and you feel like no one's on your side. You're wow. super, you just feel helpless. Oh my gosh. And it's really hard watching like the world go by. Nobody stops for this, you know, mm-hmm. things. And like ultimately... I still have to be a mom to my other children. Yeah. And so the guilt that comes with that is a little bit like sometimes more than I can handle. Mm-hmm. You know, my daughter, my oldest, Jordan, she's she's a teenager. She's she's gonna be 17. But she wanted to be an actress and she wanted to be a singer. And when Ransom was diagnosed, and I just realized how much care and attention she needed, all that stopped. There was no money for extra stuff. All the money is going toward therapy or finding help or help with your child or, you know, rides for your other kids because you can't drive them somewhere because your child who has some sensory difficulties needs you. Mm -hmm. And as much as you can build, help them cope and build a tolerance to to life and things, they really need you. Like that one-on-one attention is just, it's so crucial. Mm -hmm. And we had gotten to the point where I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. I'd never done that. I, when I had Jordan, I went back to work when she was six weeks old and I worked one, two, three jobs at a time to just like make ends meet. Mm-hmm. I was young. I I didn't have a degree and I had to kind of work my way up. And I had a few really good breaks. People gave me some really amazing jobs and I was able to mm-hmm. take care of us for a while until I wasn't and, and whatnot. And then when we found out we were pr- pregnant with Ransom, I was like, whoa, this is it. Like I can be a stay-at-home mom. And I was so excited to do it. I love kids. I I have always like babysat or nannied or I actually even worked with special kids and young adults with special abilities when I was pregnant with with Jordan. Mm-hmm. And so, but I just kept thinking, okay, this is it. This is my time. And then we had Ransom and it's like we, she was in NICU for a long time and nothing just, nothing played out how I had imagined. And I was so excited to have this child and stay home with her and make all these meals and do all these fun things and do play dates and stuff that I never did with with Jordan. And it turned out, one, it's really great that I could stay home with her. But two, it wasn't anything like I thought it was going to be. I didn't get, I did get to do some fun play dates here and there, but every single day was it just felt like a lot of pressure to to make sure that she was okay mm. and to make her life feel and seem as like quote unquote normal as possible mm. and almost like talking myself into the fact that like no this is fine like this is this is what other parents are going through everybody's going through this and then people would kind of come over and see some of the like the outbursts or the meltdowns or ha- see her having a really hard time and would say like oh whoa no no we we're not going through that like that seems a little 
like a, a little bit elevated. Is she having a hard time? Like, is she sick maybe or coming down with like a cold? And I would say, no, that this is her every day. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm saying all these things. I feel like I'm painting this picture that it was just like so crazy all the time, which I think looking, looking back, if I really look at it, yeah, it was, but there was some really beautiful moments in there. And she's, She's coming out of it, learning, I don't know, coming out of it. That's probably not the best word to say, but she's learning coping techniques. And she's, what happens with kids with sensory is they they need to like keep doing stuff in little baby steps over and over to build a tolerance. Mm. And then once they can do that, they're getting stronger and they can start doing more and more things. They're capable of more things. She's really smart. She's so intelligent. She has a lot of language. The other day she was telling me, oh, yes, I was climbing on that apparatus. I'm like, I'm sorry, you're five? (laughs) What? What? (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs) What was this apparatus doing? I've never used that word in my life. (laughs) I know what it means. You're five. Wow. So it's neat to see her grow and thrive. And but it's also I feel a responsibility to talk about these things and share our experience yeah. because so many parents out there, especially if, it, if if this is your first child and all you hear is everybody saying, this is so hard, this is so difficult, parenting is so hard, you lose sleep, you lose, you know, you lose sanity um, and you're going through that. Yeah, you're losing sleep, you're losing sanity and it's hard to differentiate what is more like typical for a child and what is just slightly elevated, what mm-hmm. is like a challenge. Mm-hmm. And and the best thing to do is it's the best to find out as soon as possible and try and get them an evaluation, which is always a scary word I think for people to oh, I'm having my child evaluated. It's it's scary. It's like what is that? Is the some, you know, therapist going to come in with a clipboard or something. And the reality is, is some really sweet person who's really amazing with children comes in and plays with your child Mm -hmm. and they pick up on the little quirks and the little things that they do just slightly different. And they can tell, oh, look at their aversion to this or this fabric or this rug, or they, Mm -hmm. they didn't want to touch you know, sand and it was almost scary to them. And we could tell right away that it's more than, than just, oh, they didn't want to touch sand that day. That was actually like a fear. We had to do months of therapy for Ransom to touch sand. Wow. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. And it's stuff that you don't even think as a parent. You're like, it's a sandbox. Kids like sand. Yeah. But, but to a kid like her, it's painful. Yeah, it is. It's like those needles. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How have you managed to find, and and I guess have you found, a community of other parents? So you have some kind of shared knowledge or experience in all of this. It's really hard. Um, I I can't say that I've mastered that. Um, I definitely, early on, like right after we created the blanket, somebody connected me with these these two women who Wolf and Friends. They they each had. I think they were brought together by their children who both had autism or sensory difficulties, and they created this 
first I think it was like an Instagram and then a website of really great things for kids with autism, kids with sensory. And they would kind of give you a list of all these things that would help help for your kids, but also that were beautiful. Mm. Because that was kind of the idea behind the blanket is that, yeah, it it's helpful and it's it's an amazing tool, but I don't want my daughter to have all these things that look really sterile and clinical yeah. and that like right off the bat would tell her I'm different. Because, mm. yeah, I mean, what the reasons that she's different are also the reasons that make her really, really special. Mm. So I found this kind of this community through Wolf and Friends and they started, they created an app and there's a way that you can get connected with special needs families in your area. That's so so special. That's kind of amazing. So through that, I've kind of met a few people through them specifically. I feel like I, a lot of people will kind of rag on social media and whatnot. I love it. (laughs) I love it. I have found so many and tricks and tools and other moms, autism moms. Like I love looking at all the hashtags for mm-hmm. for sensory, for anxiety, for whatever it is. You can go to those things and find these moms that are also being really vocal about invisible illnesses or not invisible illnesses. Like the community, because either way, you just have this amazing camaraderie. Like you're mm-hmm. coming together and you know that there's – it's like you you can look at each other and just know, like, you've been through some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you've been, I get, like, I see you. You see me. You haven't mm-hmm. been through the same exact thing, but, like, I see you, and yeah. you've got this. And all through, like, an online community yeah. from a hashtag. It's honestly such an incredible thing. I think it's the greatest gift of social media. And shared experience is so important yeah. for us as humans. Yeah. Totally. It's, it feels really good to be able to, I mean, I guess I can't think of a better phrase, but me too. Like you can look at someone and be like, oh my gosh, me too. Like, oh, you didn't sleep for three years. Me too. Like, Mm. yeah, you, your child also has difficulty putting clothes on and you feel like you, you go to school and I've never been a jealous person, but sometimes it'll get to me like I'll be walking my daughter to school and I'll look around at all these kids that can just like jump out of the car and walk to class. Mm -hmm. And sometimes she can kind of hold it together and do that. But but for the most part, it's like her dad and I, Matt and I, walking with her, holding her. Actually, a lot of autistic kids or sensory kids really like being held Mm -hmm. because the weight of their own legs – pulling and dangling is actually some sensory input. It's like really good for them and it helps regulate their body. So I used to be really embarrassed that I carry her a lot. And she's like, I don't, you've never met her, so you don't know this, but she's the size of an eight-year-old. So she's five, but she comes up to my chest. Wow. So she's huge, but we carry her mm-hmm. a lot of places because it's just that little bit of input from the car to her classroom where it'll help regulate her. Yeah. And then we can hand her off. Wow. So cool. I mean, I I would imagine that for anyone listening who is in a similar position, the amount of advice and the tips and, and the the app and the community and just the things like this. I'm, this is so amazing. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm glad I could. I, I don't, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I, and 
I mean, I probably get it wrong more times than I get it right, but I, even if like I'm wrong on certain, with certain things, like I know kind of what works for my kid, it just, yeah. it feels good to be able to, I know, cause it feels good for me to listen to somebody else mm-hmm. talk about some of their struggles and just know that you're, you're not alone. Yeah. I'm sure there's so many people listening to this right now going, me too. And that, it is, it's such a gift. And I wish I could just reach through and hug them all. (laughs) Yeah, you are. Energetically, you are. I just, yeah, it's so cool. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that. I am so curious. We got right into it, and I was just so fascinated that I forgot that I didn't ask you my standard first question. Um, But I was just like, tell me all the things. Um, I usually... I love to know because I sit across from people who are doing things that I think are so interesting and, you know, you talking about being a maker and and working in the vintage world and all of this stuff. I want to know everything about all of it. (laughs) And then I, I go, but wait, who were you as a kid? Because there's all these cool things you're doing and have done in the world. And I wonder, were you, were you always a hands-on kid? Were you really into art? Were you, were you into fashion? (laughs) Like what was going on for you when you were young? Oh my gosh. So many things. I was always into art. Mm -hmm. I was always the one getting my art put like on whatever board and, and I loved it. And I remember even from a young age thinking, I want to do this a little bit different and like not wanting to see what anyone else was doing Mm because I didn't want any of their creativity. I didn't want to accidentally steal some of their ideas. And so Mm -hmm. I remember thinking, I'm just going to focus on my thing and I'm going to see like how cool and how detailed I can make it. Like I remember I was drawing or painting this bird of paradise. And I remember thinking like, okay, I'm just going to focus and I'm going to do little dots instead of lines. And I want to see if I can make this like really unique. And I, I liked impressing people. And so I remember like loving when the teacher would come over and just be floored that I'd like created something really cool. But yeah, I always, I loved art. Um, looking back, I guess I, I was a good student. I was a really good student. Kind of actually got bullied in high school. So I stopped going to class Mm -hmm. and I actually just barely graduated. So that was kind of a bummer. But I feel like I was on track to be like this perfect student and then go to like business school or, you know, make my parents super proud. And Instead, I just really liked being creative, and I think the group of girls that gave me a really hard time kind of ruined high school for me at the end, Mm -hmm. and then I just barely, barely got there. But before that, my parents told me that when I was younger, I used to take this wagon and fill it with car wash stuff, and I would go door to door and just ask if anybody wanted their car washed, and they would say, well, and I was probably seven or eight, and... I, yeah, I would ask if they wanted their car washed and, and they would say, okay, well, well, how much? And I would say, oh, just for free. I just want to get experience. I just want to learn. And so like, you I want to get good at this, right? Precious <laughs> human. Oh my God. Um, and then they would give me like 20 or 40 bucks. <gasps> so I mean, <laughs> I, I was obviously doing something right and I didn't even realize it. But in my mind, it was like, I, I'm gonna, I want to be a resource to these people. You know, like when they think car wash, I want them to think of me. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I was like eight. Um, That's so amazing. I mean, on another like, – You were like, your lemonade stand's cool. Watch this. <laughs> right? I've always loved babies. I've always loved kids. I've always wanted like eight kids. I love I was about that. to say same until you said that. And then I was like, nope, <laughs> nope. not the same. Not the nope. same. Love nope. babies. Not that I many. Know. Well, having kids in LA is hard, but but I've always wanted so many kids because I grew up my my mom is half Filipino and Chinese and um and, and American. And so I like her like Filipino side. Oh my goodness, like karaoke and food and kids and everybody oh God, there. And no, it's just like free for all when you go over to like our aunt and uncle's houses and everyone brings the kids and they just start running. You don't even know where your kid is. They're just running and eating and having sugar and, and all the things. But I wanted that. Like yeah. I wanted that for myself. And I even like daydream about being a grandparent one day like oh. I don't know maybe I'm sick in the head but but when I was little I asked my mom my mom worked at a hospital she still does and I asked her when I could start taking babysitting classes because I really wanted to add like CPR and Heimlich maneuver to my resume when I'm like talking to people so I signed up for a um, a babysitting class at the local hospital, and I went. I can't remember how night, how many nights it was, but I taught. I I remember tote bags weren't easily easy to find. Like now they're on every corner, but I I remember wanting a very simple canvas tote bag so that I could put coloring books you know, for my client's children. And, and so I went to all the classes. I got a certificate. I got a certificate that says that I'm a certified babysitter. Amazing. And Do you still have that? Please tell oh me. Oh my you still God. Have that. You know what? My mom probably does. She doesn't throw anything you away. Need, you need it. You need it. <gasps> I framed. need this. Okay, that, hold on. That Somebody is call an my artifact. Mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I got my certificate. I started babysitting and I would just always like it was so fun for me. Yeah. It didn't ever feel like work. Work never felt like work. And I always loved working. Mm-hmm. So I remember babysitting for the neighbors and and all the things. And people really trusted me with their kids because I legit was taking it seriously. Yeah. Like I would tell myself like, they're watching, there's cameras, they're watching. I have to be on my best behavior. I have to be energetic and sweet yet firm. I was like 10. <laughs> like, it was so, and I also, I can't believe that people let me watch their children when I was so young. I mean, I kind I I felt responsible. I felt like I could handle it. But now looking at at my kids, like like I don't know if I would let my ten year old. But watch. you've probably not met a ten year old like you. <laughs> I think I was I was a little bit crazy. And actually, I I'm realizing that more and more people would say that about me. Like I like they would tell my mom. Like I I've never really met a you know a child like Pamela yeah. or whatever. Oh my gosh. Um, which is fun. And then right after, like I, my first job, I was 13. I worked at a beanbag store and I had- Did you um, just get to roll in beanbags yeah. all day? That's well, amazing. All day I spent like wiping the beanbags off, making sure they weren't dusty yeah. and like making sure that the the showroom looked really pretty. This is why I couldn't work retail. <laughs> I had a retail job for three weeks oh and had a meltdown. Because I'm so OCD and I like things <sighs> to be organized and color coordinated and hung by size and oh, yeah. everybody else working at the at the place I shall not name where yeah. my retail job was oh. was just like taking smoke breaks and doing whatever oh, they no. were doing, no. and I was like I can't manage thousands of square feet of mm-hmm. a retail space by myself. I quit. I can't do this. Yeah, I was yeah. like I'm out. 
I'll do anything else. I'm out. This is not for me. You needed to work at like a super high end place that had like five hangers. Like, yeah, but also I'm like too awkward to be in those places. Like, those are the places I still feel like I walk into and people are like, do you belong here? (laughs) I guess Um, not. Bye. I'm like, okay, bye. This feels really awkward. I gotta go. I'll just buy this online. (laughs) But no, it's so interesting that you talk about that because I was, I was the same as a kid. I'm having this really wild reaction listening to you talk. (laughs) Exactly. Like, from the time that I was so little, I was just managing all the kids in any space. So I became a pretty young babysitter. I think I started babysitting at 11. And same thing. I was like, Let, we're going to do an art project and then we're going to go for a walk and then we're going to come do another project. We're going to do homework. I had a whole situation and I rolled that all the way through junior high and high school. And in high school, I became a camp counselor in the summers. Oh my gosh. And that was the best, best thing ever. Best camp counselor. Oh my ever. God. Like a CIT and then a full blown counselor. Ooh. And being a kid, you know, 15 years old with two actual adult counselors in the room and me being the junior and having a cabin full of eight year olds for two weeks was like my <laughs> idea of heaven. Yeah. I was like, I would, this is a dream. I would have been into that. For yeah. Sure. We were like choreographing dance routines on the boom box outside. I mean, like, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, man. I had so so many dances to Madonna, just like a prayer. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. I love it. All the things. I love it so much. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So that was your first foray into business. Yeah. With the, the, what did I say, the car wash? Yeah. Oh, right. The car wash and then the babysitting. The car wash and then the babysitting. And I always loved working with my hands. I remember we had... um, like contractors working at my parents' house. And I would ask them for all the wood scraps. And I they wouldn't give me nails or yeah. a hammer or anything. So I was like, oh, I could probably do this with masking tape. And it's pretty much the same color as this pine. So I built a playhouse out of pine scraps and masking tape. And I remember I actually gave it I gave it to Marcus McCutcheon for his birthday (laughs) (laughs) um, at Chuck E. Cheese. And I remember being so excited to give it to him. Like he he was going to love it. I don't think he did, but but I spent probably like four hours on it. And I I just kept thinking, he's going to play with his like Batman characters with this. He is going to love this. Think of all the people he could rescue in this house. You know, I just like – yeah, I, I still remember it. I loved working with my hands. Oh, man. And then dangerous stuff. Like, my parents worked full-time jobs, so we were home, like, after school, and there was always a, a nanny or somebody. And then, eventually, it was just me watching the kids. Yeah. But I remember getting, like, a wagon and making I, – I always wanted everyone to be safe, so making a seatbelt, you know, for the roller coaster that I just created – for the wagon to go on out of like cardboard and wood scraps. and Oh my. Oh yeah, no, dangerous. And it worked. I always wanted to build like a carnival or a circus and I felt like I could. So fun. Yeah, I loved it. Those swing rides, you know, the ones you get in, <laughs> the, the little metal square swings. And oh yeah. You take your, that is my favorite Those are good. Thing. Yeah, and your but, feet dangling. Yeah, the feet you dangling. You and Ransom could get on a, those oh. dangly swing rides together and oh just my God. zone out. It's my favorite thing. And it's so funny because on those, if you pretend to run, you literally feel like you're in the BFG. Have you oh. seen that movie? No. The Big Friendly Giant? No, but Oh, my no, God. It's like one to. of my favorite I, I kids' movies ever. I have movies, movies <gasps> in a while. Whoa. Okay. It's special. Okay. So I need I to see I don't know it. if your kids are into movies, but it is a special one. Yeah. 
I need yeah. to see it. It took and, it took us a while. We actually had to train Ransom how to watch TV. Yeah. Um, she wouldn't do it. She didn't have the attention span. Wow. So, um, yeah, people be like, oh, my kids are watching way too much TV. And, you know, I wouldn't really say anything. But in my in the back of my mind, I was thinking I would pay someone a million dollars if they could get my kid to watch TV for 30 wow. minutes. Right. <laughs> like, like, I just want to pee please, alone. Please. That's it. I mean, I want to eat. I want to. I want to eat a meal alone. Wow. Go to the bathroom alone. Something like that. Yeah. Like you know. How old is your that. youngest? Story just turned four. I can't believe you have a story. By the way, my best friends have a baby named Story. Mm. And I, I actually got to meet her. You did? Uh, yeah. Um, wait. What? What's her mom's name? Lauren. Lauren. Yeah. She was speaking at like a fashion mama's um, event. But that's okay. so exciting. Yeah, yeah. I met her, and her husband was there. Yeah. And, and they were they were pushing her around and. <gasps> And yeah, I met them and, and I was like, oh my gosh, I, I have a daughter named Story. And then all of our minds exploded. Yeah. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. We only know of one other girl named Story and she's an adult. She's 18. Oh, I think I know. Maybe I know the same the same one. But Get as out. Yeah. Like, at, well, I mean, the, she is, her, her and her family do live in LA. Oh, yeah. Which so, is how we ran into her. Oh, yeah. It's crazy because the, the name, it feels really magical. Yeah. And, um, and so sweet. And she's such a story. Like we, her, her middle name is Beatrix, but we call her Story B. Yeah. I know. So cutie. Yeah. So fun. She's so fun. But yes, she's four. Awesome. (laughs) Going on 16. Such fun ages. She's like a little adult though. She's, I feel like we always say if she got lost in the woods, she would be fine. Like, absolutely, she would be fine. She would befriend the animals. She would tell them what to do, how mm. to hunt for food for her. And she would make, you know, other animals or bears give give their dens to her to sleep in. It. It's like she's Cinderella meets the little girl from Brave. Yeah, it, seriously. Yes, right? What? Yeah, my mind just exploded. <laughs> Every once in a while, it just comes yeah, to me. Totally, you know what I mean? no, it's amazing. Yeah, oh, I love that's it. that's story for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's but, four. So cute. Oh my gosh, I love. I just love it. Yeah. Does she? And and she and Ransom like to to sleep next to each other, as you yeah. said. So is she all into her blanket as well? She's she just loves under- it. Sometimes she. She likes to make waves because she doesn't get all the attention. Mm-hmm. We're con- we're you know we're working with ransom a lot, trying to get better at like giving everyone equal attention, which is impossible as a parent, even if your kid has sensory needs or not. Like it's yeah. impossible, but you know we do our best. So she will do things. She'll copy ransom, but in a weird way. Well, you'll see her actually thinking, okay, okay, I'm gonna get on the floor. I'm going to throw myself and then I'm going to scream. So she'll like get on her hands and knees and like get on the floor and like fall over in like a weird planned way and then scream to get attention. We're like, story. She'll look up and be like, yeah, you're right. You you got me. <laughs> this wasn't real. Amazing. But yeah, they're they're really close. And it's cool because all of this work that we do with Ransom teaching her like there's the school that she went to, and they would teach us to press on the top of your head. Mm. So if you put both of your hands on top of your head and you push down, it feels really good. I'm like, everybody do it. So put your hands on top of your head and push straight down. There's four people in a room doing this, just for the record, for everyone at home. (laughs) It feels good, right? So you can, and and we would sing the song like, this is the way we press our head. 
And then this is the way we hug ourselves. So you put your arms across your chest and you hug yourself and push on your own chest. You could even just put your hands like over your heart and push. That will calm you down. Mm. Um, yeah. And then you, the last one, you can put your hands together and squeeze really hard. Mm. And that will kind of like, you know, <laughs> release some good stuff and help you calm down. So we work with them on this and then obviously taking a deep breath. Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. That's nice. And you too. usually want to count to four both ways. So they all know these things now. So if Ransom is having a really hard time, Story will either lovingly or kind of annoyed be like, Ransom, ugh, take a breath. <laughs> and she'll go up to her and breathe, you know, breathe in really for four <laughs> seconds <laughs> angrily. But, and vice versa, like if Aww. Story's having a hard time, Ransom will come over. And Ransom, like Story is like our wild child and she's just so independent and amazing. But Ransom, like she's got all these sensory things, but she has so much empathy for people and mm. animals and baby, like little babies. It's yeah. insane. So she, like if Story's having a hard time and Ransom's pretty regulated, she'll go up to her and go, Story? Story. Oh, she rolls her R. Story. Story. Are you okay, Story B? And like she'll she'll say, you could take a breath. Oh, or you so can precious. push your head like this. Oh. And she'll show her. And sometimes Story will do it. And then it's the cutest thing and your whole like heart explodes from all the goodness. Mm. And sometimes Story will get annoyed and just walk away. But it's really sweet to watch them take the tools and use them because mm -hmm. you don't need to have like extra special sensory, you know, needs or difficulties with sensory to use some of these tools to calm down every mm -hmm. once in a while. Like I'm, I'm running this business and I, and it's me. So I, I do have like nine employee, I think we have nine employees right now, but they're mostly so on cool. the production side. So that's like, I'm the manufacturer. Yeah. So on the administrative side, like, or, you know, like it's me and the part-time girl. And wow. so I, we're, and I have, I have a bookkeeper and I have a business manager that like will come in and give me some tips and hints from, you know, time to time, but we're not big enough to like have that yet. And so, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I still, have my hand literally in every aspect of the business. Mm -hmm. So I'll wake up and we'll do the morning routine with the kids, get them off to school. Jordan walks down the mountain to the train, takes that into the city and walks to school. Poor thing. She's going to be so resilient. But And then, yeah, we take the kids and then I go off to work and I'll probably get there around nine or I'll take a meeting at nine. Then we go get the kids at six. And I work. I work through my lunch. It's rare that I take a lunch. And then I will we'll get the kids at 5.30, spend some time with them, put them to bed. And then I whip out my computer or my phone and I start planning social. I start editing photos and doing, you know, whatever else I need to do, all the emails. Mm -hmm. um, I have some – the girls that make blankets will also step in and do some we'll do some customer service and I have a girl who who does some sh like all the shipping emails but everything else is me and so people are like can I have your PR department and I'm like yes let me transfer you <laughs> like, you know or like you know it. for the most part I'm pretty much like hey it's me it's Pam I'm here we we don't actually have that <laughs> 
but but I can I can help you with whatever. And people will write back like, wait, you're answering your own emails or your own DMs oh. or your own social? I'm like, well, who else is going to do it? Yeah. <laughs> like, of course I am. So we work a lot and the kids are in school and with daycare. And when we can, we'll take you know, take some time and do like extra special lunches with them. But I think it's really important for them to see how hard we're working and Mm -hmm. like for them to see us building something really beautiful that's helping a lot of people. I feel like if it wasn't helping people, there's no way I I would be doing this. Like it's taking away time with my kids, you know, because it's hard. Running a business (laughs) is hard. People think it's glamorous and it's tough. Yeah. What do you what do you feel like? you've learned about yourself through this whole process, through starting this company and, you know, and running this thing. I mean, how much more time do we have? (laughs) Can we talk about I mean, it could be an anecdote or it could even be like, there's these things I never expected that I've run into. Um, I think the the biggest thing for me um, when I think about starting the business and running it is there's no, there's no book. There's no website to go to that's like, okay, do this and then do this. It's like you're starting this company. You have to figure out how to source your fabric, how to cut the fabric, how to get it delivered back and forth, how to make sure that the fabric hasn't been like like gotten wet or like something hasn't happened to it, checking it. And then there's that whole like logistics side. And then there's that do you have the right permits? Do you have the right mm. licenses? Do you are you infringing on somebody's phrase that they're using? Yeah, um, that. Can you use that word? Can you not? The first when I first made the blanket, I called the company Weighted, and turns out you can't use the name Weighted to describe a weighted blanket company because somebody has the trademark to that. So I was like, oh wow, like that was the. And I remember thinking, well, I guess I'm not going to start a company. Like literally it was like first roadblock. And I'm like, ah, this feels hard. My whole – I really liked how it looked on paper. It felt fun and it was kind of just like, you know, weighted. And people are like, what is that? It's a weighted blanket. And I, it was just yeah. – it was so silly. But, yeah, I remember every little thing along the way made me literally stop and want to give up. And that was like, I don't know, four times a week. Wow. Um, so any little thing, like our first deal that we had with Nordstrom, they emailed me. And I remember, I think I literally fainted. I got like my, I couldn't feel my legs. And then I, I just kept telling myself like, this is a joke. Like they're not, they're not really emailing me. Like this must be one of those spam accounts. Like this isn't real. And like, I remember talking with them for the first time and and just sitting in my garage that was full of junk and then there was a little corner that we were making blankets and thinking this is this is not real like the, the, it's literally the most surreal feeling I've ever had was that and then realizing that like I didn't return their email for a long time because I thought it was <laughs> fake and I remember like literally shaking and I was laying on the floor and my girlfriend, Rachel, who is also our like production manager, she put the weighted blanket on me and was like, I'm just going to leave you there. (laughs) And that just became sort of like what people do when I'm having a panic attack now. I usually end up on the floor or a couch. They just pile the blankets on. (laughs) If if it looks bad, they'll put two. Your heavy blanket. My heavy blankets. They put on me. Um, But yeah, like... Every step of the way, there's been 
an obstacle that I have to figure out how to get around and figure out how to make it right. But something has kept you going over every single one of those hurdles. Yeah. Which is so cool, whether it's the inspiration, the commitment, the knowledge that this really matters. Yeah. You've kept going. And that makes me so excited when I hear about people starting businesses or coming up with ideas like this. I, oh. I just, I want to cheerlead and be like, keep going. Could you call me once a week and just tell me this? I mean, sure. <laughs> uh, I know. Just it, like it send, sells- send you videos. Oh. You yeah. can do it. Do it. I, was, yeah. I was obviously never that cheerleader. Was, that, that was, was great. terrible. I'll take it. Glad no one at home got to see that. It's a work in progress. <laughs> it really is. Honestly, um, it's yeah. it'll it'll never really get worked out, but it's fine. Yeah. What do you think is the best or the most rewarding part um, of running your own business? Yeah. So all the little hurdles are are crazy, but the most rewarding part, I'm. This is why I have a little bit of help with some of my emails now because I feel things on such a deep level. So I get emails all the time of people saying that I've literally like saved their life, that Mm. they had a suicidal teen and they bought this blanket for that teenager and they can see this teenager like now, not that they're necessarily thriving, but being able to have a tool to comfort themselves when they're having a hard, dark moment. People who mm. whose little children have sensory difficulties or autism or, or any other type of invisible or visible illness that the blankets help with, they will write me these insane heartfelt emails or DMs. And if I go, if I read a bunch of them at once, like I'm just sobbing and the day is just shot. Yeah. So it's, it's amazing though. Like I, mm. I think that's why I keep doing it. Other, I, my thing is like, I don't know how I would run a company where I wasn't like aware that I was literally changing people's lives. Mm. I probably just wouldn't do it. I'd do something else. I like projects and I like being surrounded by chaos. So I think I'm good at this and I thrive in like, in a, in a hectic situation. So when we're, we're actually, um, we have a store that's going to be opening and I'm also trying to run the business and fill a couple orders for a, co- a few collaborations that we have coming up. And every single day I feel like this isn't, this isn't going to work. Like I can't breathe. I don't know how we're going to do this. But then all of a sudden I like pick myself up and I can just do it. I thrive in that. But if you give me an entire day to myself, I will just get depressed. Oh my God, same. I won't even know what to do. Oh my God. I will. I panic. Yeah. Yeah. Because now it's been so long since I've had a day (laughs) off that when I have a day, an unplanned day, I get, I'm so overwhelmed because there's a thousand (laughs) things I want to do and I want to do the Rosetta Stone and I want to take a piano lesson and I want to see all my friends and maybe I should go for a hike. But also maybe I should take the dog to the beach and maybe I should get, (laughs) and I freak out because I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. So then you do nothing and, or you just like, uh, for me, I'll just like sit there. But sometimes that's what you need to do. Yeah. Is the sitting. Yeah, and then it, but it's like you don't get the relief. Then you feel like you you wasted it. Yeah, I feel, I feel so seen. Where are the blankets? Where are the? We need to cover ourselves. Just wrap myself in my blanket. I just love having, because I'm a crazy person or not. That's you're right. Not an appropriate word. I am. I like. I I am a little obsessive about things, and I have 
as well, you know, obviously I got them from you. <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling you this. How like, many you weighted know. blankets do But you I have, because you know, I have two blankets, so I have yeah. both weight options. Yes. Which is really nice. So sometimes I'm like, I want my medium blanket and sometimes I want my heavy blanket. <laughs> and it's, it is really lovely. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm that's so glad. so cool. <laughs> I feel very seen. Oh, good. I'm so glad. I yeah. feel like that's like my whole thing now. My... I think so that's many, my work in progress, actually. Like cheerleading jokes aside, <laughs> learning how to have a day off and enjoy it Ooh. is a work in progress for me. Yeah. What's a work in progress for you? Okay. Okay. So my my work in progress is um, that I'm trying. I'm working on being more direct and mm. bold in my decisions mm. and what I'm doing, especially for my company, but even with family or friends. I am such a people pleaser. And mm-hmm. so I'm constantly thinking of like, well, will this di- will this disappoint them? Will they be upset? Mm-hmm. How are they going to react to this? And I've found that in business, like with I'm, when I'm dealing with my employees, that is, it doesn't feel good for your boss not to have a direct answer yeah. and to have wow. like a direct vision. And so I'm such a verbal processor, obviously. So you guys are like, listening to I know I, I feel like I've gone off so many tangents on this um during this it. on I this journey with you <laughs> um and then I forget what I'm talking about I'm like where was I I don't know Happens but um, all the time yeah but Ooh. so I've gone off on so many tangents but I verbally process and my employees they're amazing and I love them dearly and I know they love me but I also know that it sends them a lot of mixed signals when I'm verbally processing in front of them instead of giving them a direct answer and there was actually over the summer I let people come in whenever they wanted as long as they got their work done and it ended up being like not productive at all because everyone's working different schedules and Mm. then I'd get there and want to do a meeting and nobody was in the office and so I'm like having a meeting with one person and then I have to email everyone else and so but in October um we, we finally yeah in October we switched to a set schedule set office hours and it was such a relief for me and I think it was a huge relief for all the girls too because they mm-hmm. kind of like have that set schedule they mm-hmm. have their boundaries and then they can work within them and mm-hmm. I think so many people work great like that. Even if you're a creative thinker and you're, you work, uh, you know, outside of the box here and there, you need some boundaries to just like hone you in, bring you in. And, and then I feel like you can be yeah. super productive and creative within those boundaries. So I feel that so deeply. Yeah. So really me being bold and direct and really confident in my decisions, because I feel like a fraud. Like I, I was at, I don't know, Manuela and I was in the restroom washing my hands and somebody turns around and goes, oh, it's you. And I, and I didn't know who they were talking to. And they were talking to me. Like they recognized me from like, you know, Instagram or something. And she had, she owns a blanket and she oh. proceeded to tell me that she's a teacher and she wants them for all the kids in her class. And then the people pleaser in me is like, well, write me. I guess I'll send you 32 blankets. You know, I just, I, yeah, I know. I have this conversation with my husband all the time. I'm like, why are we not billionaires? We could just give these away. Everyone needs these. But we're not there. <laughs> That's, I mean, we want a charitable aspect to the blankets later on. I, I hope it really works out. But it was so cool to, for this woman to tell me in person how this blanket is changing her life and how amazing 
she thinks it is. And she was literally encouraging me, like, keep going, keep doing this. Like, you're doing an amazing job. And it just blew my mind because, first of all, I'm like, God, she has no idea. Like, I am, like, not that cool or that, you know, I mean, it happens once. Like, you know, it's this doesn't happen all the time. But, yeah, my husband kind of laughed, too. He's like, man, she doesn't have to live with you. (laughs) (laughs) Just keeping you humble. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. That's what he's, he's good for that. I he's great. That. But yeah, it's, I think just being confident and, and really owning the fact that these are changing people's lives. Like they, the letters that we get are proof of that. And like the, the testimonials from people. And I just need to be a little bit m- more confident and, and sort of accept that or like know that instead of keep because I'll find myself saying over and over oh we're just a brand new company like we were just in my garage a few months ago it's like no we're gonna be two years old I mean I've only had a production team for less than a year with a a legit warehouse and operation but I mean ultimately I've had an LLC for almost two years 84% of companies fail within their first year okay well you should feel like a rock star (gasps) no I said the word I said the should word, but I meant it in a complimentary way. Okay. Well, maybe you're changing that word for me. Maybe it's not a trigger anymore. One of my best friends, Emily, (laughs) says the best thing. She, anytime I say, you know, I should be this or should have done that already or whatever, she'll go, stop shooting all over yourself. Oh, I love her. Love her. Oh my gosh. (gasps) And by extension, stop shooting all over other people. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Whoa. Oh my gosh, Pamela. Thank you so much. This has just been so inspiring and I really appreciate you coming and A, letting me fangirl about (laughs) my blankets and B, just sharing so much of your story and your experience and your family. It's really beautiful. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. I was so nervous coming in and I always get a little bit nervous talking, like telling my story and talking about my daughter because part of me also feels like, what if she doesn't want me to tell her story. Mm. And so I've had this battle a lot within myself. But when it comes down to it, I know from the amount of emails that we get and DMs that we get how grateful people are that I am talking about it. Mm -hmm. And I just I I just really hope that she like grows up and is really glad that I did what I did. Um I want to do it with like the utmost respect to her and the utmost respect to anybody that's going through this because some like our story is so different from any other child who has sensory or autism. Like they're all so, so unique and different and specific like to themselves. Like there was, there's some meme or something that goes around says, if you've met one child with autism, you've met one child with autism. Yeah. And so every difficulty or roadblock Mm -hmm. that they struggle with is it's going to be different. Nothing will be the same. Sometimes they'll say, oh, or people will say, oh, she, she makes eye contact. So she, she obviously she's, she's fine. She doesn't have autism. It's like, well, the way that her brain processes information is different than the way our brains process information. Mm -hmm. And so it sometimes will fast track in some areas and then take a little bit longer to get there in others. Mm. But yeah, I just, I I love that I love that people are being encouraged by it 
because it's been a little bit of a struggle for me. And I think I'm starting to just own it because this is our story. Ultimately, it is our story. This is our life. And Mm -hmm. if me being open and really vulnerable with it means that I'm going to encourage another parent to have their child, you know, evaluated or bring bring up something at their next doctor's appointment, then Mm -hmm. I'm really glad that I did it because it's it's a struggle, you know? Yeah. And I I think, gosh, just what what a beautifully empathetic person you are that you're thinking about how she'll eventually feel about the way you speak about her journey. And I'd also like to say as an, as an admirer and someone who's learned so much from this conversation, it is also your story. It's your story together and you being willing to share it and, and the way that you advocate and the way that you offer incredible concrete advice as well as these really vulnerable perspectives on the experience I do not doubt is going to help so many people so thank you for being willing to come in here and do this with me on a Wednesday night and now I'm gonna be like in a puddle on the floor (laughs) (laughs) oh man same girl same (laughs) cry all the time oh thank you so much This show is executive produced by me, Sophia Bush, and Sim Sarna. Our supervising producer is Allison Bresnick. Our associate producer is Caitlin Lee. Our editor is Josh Windish. And our music was written by Jack Garrett and produced by Mark Foster. This show is brought to you by Brilliant Anatomy.